Hi, this is Downtown Josh Brown, CEO and co-founder of Ritholtz Wealth Management. And I am all sorts of panicked about the stock market as usual. And this episode with Josh Brown went live on March 2nd. Enjoy. Canute. Hey, Howard. Knip, knop. Do you remember that game? Knip, knop. No, I never played that. Our guest will, even <laughs> though he probably wasn't born during that time. He's a, he just knows a lot of stuff that's not really that important. He knows a lot of stuff, doesn't he? He knows a lot of stuff, and he does it with a Long Island accent. And he's our friend, Josh Brown. Very few people, probably in my audience, because uh, I'm much higher brow. He's CNBC, and I'm up here. <laughs> I'm like FT. <laughs> no, I, I'm. My voice is off. <clears throat> Josh and I go way back, and I'm in a nostalgic, you know, now as I enter my late 70s, <laughs> nostalgic. I, you know, I don't like to talk to old people, so I beg the younger kin uh, for my olden days, and I haven't done anything new in like 100 years. So, and every time I have a new idea, as you know, Canute, I get tired because of my low T. <laughs> and um, I forget what the idea was the next day. So I figure... I'm doing like a, I'm only having three guests lately. It's uh, Phil Perlman, uh, JC, people that remember me when, when I was virile. There you go. Yeah. And, you know, when, when I think of virile, uh, I don't think of this guy. But, well, I think of this guy because it's the opposite of virile. He is Josh Brown. He's, he's calling in from the country of Long Island. And you know him as the guy whose hair changes a lot on CNBC. That's what I was told. I said, his hair, someone needs to cut his hair. I said, I don't watch CNBC. They said he needs to cut his hair, so I'll ask him about that. But uh, he, he's pretty much daily on CNBC. He's everywhere. He has, all right. He has uh, him and Batnick and all his, his crew have an incredible YouTube channel uh, for, for finance and financial advisors. They talk markets all the time. Uh, he's built a huge, I would say maybe the biggest financial media brand, outside of CNBC, and has managed to thrive amidst the glitterati or, or the uh, the people that like to hate on people that are doing well in social media. Uh, I miss him on Twitter. He's over on Instagram, which I barely use. I don't get it. I don't like it. Uh, but I understand why he gave up Twitter, just like I always dread uh, lately going to the place. But really thrived on YouTube. So I have a lot of questions about YouTube, financial industry. I think he said he's panicked about the markets. And as we, as I just talked with Josh earlier, it's like he panicked so you don't have to. Uh, let's bring him on, Josh Brown. And, and by the way, my son is going to be his neighbor this summer. So don't tell him. All right. Josh, hey. Hey. So I, I thought that intro would literally never end. That was amazing. And I it's our shortest Viral. intro ever because you have a lot to say. <laughs> well, I Googled v- Viral, which you said I'm not, but then I read the description. I'm like, this is exactly what I am. Having, <laughs> what is your... Having strength, energy, and a strong sex drive. Uh, here's an, using a sentence. He was a powerful, virile man. I don't yeah. I mean, maybe your impression of me is different than the reality, but I'm, I'm like a bear in the woods. <laughs> I had that down for Batnick. Surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben Carlson. 
I am per- perhaps at my peak virility. By the way, we are now, because my T-score came in high, this is a funny story, Josh, because uh, you, you're not being asked to get your T-score yet by your wife, but you will. Um, what is it? What's a T-score? Uh, your testosterone levels. Have you had that done? Why is she asking you to do that? Because she is the boss. Did you cry during a movie or something? What? No, <laughs> because nothing happens ever. No matter what we do or watch, so she said, I think you should have your T-score checked. Oh, my God. This is like yeah, yeah, so yeah. much information. So, like, I need that pressure. Yeah. Right? And, uh, well, I'm going to, uh, this funny story, so I might as well tell it to you. So, you pull up this site since you're on the internet, Hone Health. So, I'm an indirect, my friend Adam Besivnik, I'm an investor in this fund. I never can pronounce his name right. It's kind of like Josh Brown, hard to pronounce. Anyway, so I'm, I, I looked Hone at the site. Health? Hone Health. This is a okay. big fucking thing, dude. Uh, and your friend Phil Perlman uh, is into this shit. So anyways, it's this whole thing, like, because people under 20, they say now have low T-scores. Maybe it's from watching YouTube or from Tinder. Who knows? Anyways. It's because they never got into a fight. Yeah. I'm telling you the truth. No, yeah. they've never. They've Because ne- you know when you're when you're, you're a kid and you're in a scary situation, mm-hmm. where you're like a teenager, you're at a party that you shouldn't be at, mm-hmm. or you're messing around with someone's girlfriend and the guy shows up at the diner or whatever, like those the situations. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, very you, Long Island. It's like a Springsteen song. Wait, but <laughs> if you've never been in that this situation- This didn't happen in Toronto. You know what happened in Toronto? It was like drive by, hey, Jew. That was about <laughs> it. That was as tough as a guy. And I ran in the house and cried. But you you need to have those like moments where the adrenaline kicks in and like you find courage and strength that you didn't know that you had. If your mom jumps in the middle every time there's about to be a conflict with, you know, a teacher or another kid Mm -hmm. or whatever, how like how would you, you know, I don't know. Can we edit all this out? No, it's funny. I think if you asked (laughs) the people most virile, virile in today's age are boys' moms. Yeah, they're the oh, most vera. I agree with that. I yeah, dare, so, I dare somebody to mess with my son. So I it's won't even fun. be around. Your son's probably pretty tough. Uh, we're working on it. He's adorable. So anyway, so I go for the T score, thinking, okay. and the over under on Twitter was two hundred, which is pretty low. And What's the so scale? I, was, I came in at five fucking nineteen, dude. I, I, I want to get a gold scale, chain. Though? Who cares? As long as I like, fucking where was way Bradley above Cooper? the under. Is he a thousand? Like, like I'm, I'm trying to figure oh, out. Like, who's a thousand? Sorry, I, I don't know. Like, uh, Bradley Cooper. I think Cooper. you would probably come in around <laughs> me. Like, sizing you up, you know, with the Gucci <laughs> loafers and stuff. Like that brings you down a hundred points, <laughs> right? So I think you, I think you'd come in a strong five, six. Phil will be like eighty, and because he eats so many eggs. And, but anyways, it came in at 520, and I just feel like a rapper. I feel like I should get a gold chain with my T-score on it, because it's so much higher yeah. than I than expected. I blew away numbers. Other than, like, buying testosterone or, or like, doing, like, uh, I don't know, growth hormone. I don't even know what any of this stuff is. I think that is growth hormone. Like, this stuff is all growth hormones. But anyways, my point here is the trend, Josh, and you will get here, is once you get a little bit of money, and uh, I've been lucky enough now, uh, my later... You know my golden years uh, to tend to my prostate at at will. The um, it is kind of what you think about is like fuck. Should I have that milkshake? Like ten years ago, I was like fuck, and I'll have two milkshakes. And now it's just all these decisions about longevity uh, because you're getting close. I got thirteen years left. I'm fifty seven. You know. And uh, but anyways, let's. You're how old? Forty. 
This is exactly how I wanted to spend my Friday. I have to be, I have to be very Josh, honest with you. Josh, I go, Josh, can you fill in Friday? <laughs> he goes, what are we going to talk about? I said, really important stuff. Who canceled on you? Uh, my mom. Okay. It, it, the the subject it. of today was virility and how come she, she wanted, turned she out such a She wouldn't talk about your testosterone? Guy. No, she uh, couldn't get her iPad to work. It was from uh, JCPenney. Do you remember, I don't know, I, I am nostalgic, and I mean, we go way back. Do you remember us? I don't remember how we connected, but is it is it the Palooza event in in San Diego? No, I before that. So you, very early, early, early days of stock twitch, like before you guys were even a company, you were right, just 07, people using maybe. a. You were like people using the cash tag on Twitter, but like I don't even think the, the business started. You had a loft. Or some kind of an apartment as the home office oh, right. in, in Manhattan. New York. Whose apartment was that? Was it yours? It was. I rented it, but it was the office and my apartment just to get things going. Okay, so you guys threw a party and you basically like tweeted it out, like like open house, huh. uh, and like Upside Trader was there, and like a lot of the early days uh, stock towards people, and that's where I met everybody. Uh, for the first time, and I remember you had like a camera crew filming you, and I introduced myself to uh, to Phil Perlman, and Perlman's like, "Let me, you got to meet Howard." He brings me over to you, and you didn't ha- you didn't like have the time of day for me, which is fine because you were on camera being filmed. Um, but anyway, Phil started reading my blog, and then he like formally introduced me to you, and I remember you being like, "Dude, you're smart and you're funny. You're exactly what we're doing." You should move your blog over to our network. And did the you? Rest you did right at history. the beginning. Yeah, of course. Immediately, you guys were my tribe. Like I was out there doing a blog by myself. It was 2009, and I had started in 08, and I had an audience. But you guys were the ones that were like giving it love and retweeting it. And so I'm like, this is my crew. So I, I guess Phil's like, dude, move your blog. We'll host it. Um, we just want it to be part of our ecosystem and we want you on the stream. So I'm like, 100%, I'm, I'm all in. And that is uh, tw- uh, 2009. So how long ago is that? 14, 14, 14 years. years. <laughs> you know, I, do you listen to, I think you must, Conan show podcast? Who? Conan O'Brien. I'm aware of it. I don't You would to like it. it because, you know. No, I like him. I, I never knew I liked him so much. And, and sometimes I listen to podcasts and go, he's talking about himself a lot. And I shouldn't judge him on that because that's me. But uh, then you realize he should because he's such a legend. And well, I never also, watched like, his TV somebody, show. But Yeah, well, when somebody gets to your age and level or Conan's age and level, there's like a lot less at stake. Yeah. Like you, you've, you've made it. He's made it. It's like, what, what am I jeopardizing? I already did the thing. Not not saying like you have nothing left to do, but I'm saying like you made it. So it's like what 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 opportunity is going to be closed off to you because you say something that you you know. So I think like there's less risk, and I can't wait to to be. I can wait, but I'd like to at some point be in that position where I don't give a fuck anymore. And I got to tell you, I don't know which way it's going to go. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of shit that that I I'm keeping in the closet right yeah. now. Like I'm I'm holding the closet door shut with my shoulder, trying not to let this out, but it might all come out. Some people are going to be very, very fucked over. Uh, <laughs> it's who, not who worth it. To, to play I don't games mean that, me. that, that you would do that or he's doing that. It's just 
you know, in a small level at StockTwits and, and FinTwit, and now you're doing with your podcast and the advisory, what amazes me about Conan, and obviously it's Letterman, Conan, because you like comedy too, Johnny Carson, how many careers they launched and discovered, and how many people were interns for Conan that come on a show, and Conan didn't even remember. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I'm like, why wouldn't he remember? And I'm like the same way. I don't remember. Like it's only 14 years ago and I can't remember the origin stories. Right. Because I know we were all around. Yeah. And I know Phil, and that's why I'm doing a, a, a new thing with Phil. It's just like he knows so much and he also remembers some of the stuff we did, which is fun. And it's fun being nostalgic. But man, people come on Conan show and it's just incredible how many careers were set in a certain direction because they were an intern for Conan. And then in our days of Fintwit, how many careers, like you mentioned Upside, he just pinged me after like 10 years in the dark. Like, I don't know what he's been doing, but I miss you, love you, I'm posting again. And we're all tied together by this like thing that is well, you Twitter. Were, you were the center of the universe, so you had well, the Twitter was the center. But we, but we knew each other like in physical space as a result of you because you were the guy that was like, hey, uh, the tweeting is fun, but we should all maybe get a beer or uh, throw an event in New York or throw Lindsay Palooza in, uh, in San Diego. Like You had that vision of, hey, this is more than just tweeting. This is like a proto- online offline community of people who happen to just love trading and investing like yeah. you you saw that and uh, you did it and that's why you were at the center of the whole thing well what's so interesting is like i just you don't use twitter anymore and i, I kind of only miss a few people and you were top of the list is because the community's gone like so gone and i hate saying that because it seems impossible and now I'm so nostalgic because Stocktwits is so fun because like people just come back and say hello there, uh, yeah. just to feel a little bit of community. Whereas, not saying FinTwit is dead, it's just like that. Everybody's so disbanded. The way the product became so disjointed uh, and algoed up and changed, uh, you can't blame any one person. It's just technology, well, I, think, I guess. I th- I think it's changed in that uh, in the early days we could say whatever we wanted. Uh, you know, within reason from compliance perspective, because some of us were actually, you know, registered working in the industry. But like, you didn't have to worry that everything you said was going to be this thing that somebody like, you know, stores for six months and then throws it back in your face. Like, oh, you said this and this happened instead. Yeah. Like, you didn't have to really worry about that because nobody gave a shit. That's number one. Number two, I felt like the early people that were on there had respect for each other. Yeah. regardless of what they did for a living. So there were journalists like um, like Heidi Moore and Kelly Evans and you know all the FT Alphaville people and Joe Weisenthal. Yeah. And then there were traders and then there were investors, then there were financial advisors, there were a couple of hedge fund people. And like everyone just kind of like vibed and not agreed with each other, but just there was respect. You could have a conversation. Now it's just like, if you even hint that you're bearish on Bitcoin or you're bullish on Ethereum or you think the Fed is maybe doing an okay job, it, it's it's like walking into a dark alley. It, it's just you you can't win. There's almost no upside to communicating at all, which is why it's dead and a lot of the early people burned out and just decided I've had enough of this shit. I don't need it anymore. So and I think that, you... that is, I am nostalgic for that. I don't know how you resurrect it. 
You can't. I'm so nostalgic because it was so funny. The late right? adopter, the late adopters, like the first few waves of late adopters, kind of got it and they were cool. And then I think like. I don't know, 2016, the whole platform turned very dark because of the Trump stuff. And then I think the pandemic was like this other wave where FinTwit became CryptoTwit because the only people talking at that point were, you know, these fucking laser-eyed maniacs. <laughs> and So true. They just like, there was no conversation really about markets where crypto people weren't jumping into the replies yeah. to just like do their, do their shit. And- I kind of I kind of checked out in uh in the summer of 2020. It's almost three years, and anytime someone sends me a link to a tweet like "Oh, this is funny," I'll click it, I'll read it. It's usually not funny because people aren't that funny. And then yeah. I'll look at the replies and I'll just be like, "Oh yeah, that's why I don't come here anymore." Yeah, <laughs> it is so true, and it happened to me in the last six months only. And I'm not blaming Musk. It's just. It just no, it's finally, not his fault. It's yeah, way before it, he got involved. Correct, correct. And as a and as a operator slash that board and that leadership under Jack and the CEOs before it, that was the decay. But anyways, on community said, stuff. You, wait, wait. So you said you don't get Instagram. Let me make it very simple for you. People are not quote tweeting each other as a form of dunking on Instagram. No, and I get that you, part. And if you say something that people don't like on Instagram, the mechanism for other people that don't even know you or follow you to find it is like very abstract. There's no way for someone to retweet you into their own stream and tell their followers, go after this guy. It almost has to make the mainstream media for other people to hear about it and then go find your site. So it's very hard to be offensive enough or outrageous enough um, to get like that kind of firestorm that you get where you become the the uh, the whipping boy on Twitter for the day. That really doesn't happen on Instagram unless it's a celebrity and it's deliberate. So that's number one. Number two, you have complete control of the comments under whatever you posted. Mm-hmm. It, like You cannot delete someone else's tweet in your replies, but if somebody comes on your Instagram and says something disrespectful, you absolutely can erase it. You can block the person and erase what they said. So having that kind of control over your own atmosphere is important to people who love and respect themselves. Um, if you are not on social media deliberately to stir shit up and get into fights, then you're probably going to default to a platform where you can control the environment. If you are there to fight and you are there for negative attention because your parents didn't love you or you're <laughs> miserable in your own life and you want to make other people uh, miserable Knut, or you're insecure in your mom. career, then right you're away. probably going to default to you know a platform where people just go on there and fight all day. So I think it's like almost like a personality It's a personality uh, thing. Dick and the guys before them, they had a chance to nip this in the bud. You can't, you know, you, anyways, who cares about that? Nobody. It's over. Who cares? So you don't mind posting to Instagram? Like you're doing it for, for business reasons or just no, the joy just, of dude, sharing I, content? I, I Listen, I promote my podcast on there. I don't talk about my business, but it's like, hey, yeah. we, we put up a YouTube show. Here's Got a clip. Um, so I should do that too. I should just put my podcast on there. But I'm still acting like it's 2010. I'm still posting like pictures yeah. of like food I'm about to eat. Got it. Because I, I, don't, I don't care. Yeah. You know what? I have 50,000 followers on Instagram. They like me. Like, I don't have people following me there just so they can say mean shit to me. 
Like, mm-hmm. so when I do, when something good happens to me and I take a picture of it or I meet somebody like that I'm really excited to meet and I post it there, people are like, oh, cool, good for Josh. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the vibe on most other social media sites, especially not on Twitter. Yeah, when I go on my fun bike trips, that's when I use Instagram because it's, it's and I'm recording right, and it I for see me. you riding a bike and I root for you. I'm right. not in your mentions being like, "Hey, fuckhead, you told me to buy uh, Shopify at 290." Like, you know, I'm in your mentions like, "Wow, that looks like an awesome bike ride," and I'm genuinely <laughs> happy for you. So it's really obvious the difference is night and day. And who the hell would subject themselves to a place where people actively want bad things to happen to you? So speaking of that, so what are the kids like? Your kids are now in the teens. So what are they like? Uh, Snap and TikTok, and uh, they only watch things on YouTube. It wouldn't even occur to them that that I'm paying FiOS two hundred dollars for cable. Uh, other than sports, like they only will watch shows, videos, movies, whatever on YouTube, and they will never, ever, as long as they live, touch Facebook or Twitter. I do think that sneakily they're like LinkedIn is going to get this next generation because Uh who has a choice? You have no choice. So if you're not building your presence on LinkedIn because you think TikTok is cool, you're making a really big mistake. If you want to be in the middle class in this country or above, you have a, a LinkedIn profile, period, end of story. I agree with that. And I think disruption is coming for that reason most aggressively with this next and even with the blockchain to LinkedIn. The way I think about LinkedIn, because I never used it, Josh, and I don't know if you use it for the firm. Do you use it as a place to recruit? I love it. I think it's great. It is great. But do you use it as a place to recruit or to write or to... Everything. We So I don't like write things specific for LinkedIn, but that's where I put... I have 270,000 LinkedIn followers or something like that. That's mm-hmm. where I will put links to things that I've written. Um and there's a conversation there and there's a lot of financial advisors and like real people who actually work in my industry, not pseudonymous little dirtbags, like actual professionals who are registered and like, you know, can't just say whatever. Like people are on their best behavior, myself included, on LinkedIn. They're not throwing bombs because that's like their public profile for their career. So yeah. I just find the tone to be like more civil and the stakes are higher. Um, so you don't act like your worst self, like a lot of us, myself included, used to do on other social sites. Yeah. Um, but then you see like some of the biggest leaders in business, they don't have a blog. They post directly to LinkedIn. Ray Dalio is a great example. LinkedIn is his blog. You no, know, Ted Mertz, my buddy, is like, that's his blog. And I'm like, dude, yeah. repost it somewhere where I would read it. But you know, for me, LinkedIn's core thing is hiring. And I think this is why we're going to get disruption there. And a lot of it is due to proof in the blockchain is they probably have the biggest moat because of the network wait, wait, wait. of blockchain. What? What do you mean? Well, what I'm saying is hundreds of thousands of people are getting laid off from Twitter, etc. Okay. If Elon Musk says 90% of them were useless and they're all there bragging that they you know they were head of product at Twitter or worked on something at Twitter, um, that now becomes worthless information, meaning there's no way to verify that this person did these things on LinkedIn. And these are important milestones. I went to school here. I, uh, I worked at a pro- like what did you actually do and can it be verified as the next stage that needs to come to LinkedIn to make it useful in a world where now there's 
turnover in jobs finally, you know, where there wasn't in tech for the last 20 years. Who are we supposed to trust? LinkedIn to verify that this guy actually worked on anything well, at Twitter? All right, so I, no, in my industry, we have to go to the CRD, well, which, is, you, which is the cent- the central records depository where we can Yeah, that's four people in the country. But at no, scale, I, I'm saying LinkedIn has a problem because I don't trust any of the bios or any no, of the no, school I agree, stuff. I, I agree. We have to verify that because we're yeah. a, a registered industry. Yeah. So we have to verify that somebody actually is licensed, has worked at firms, doesn't have customer complaints. Sure. So we can't just rely on LinkedIn either. I agree with you. Yeah. So I'm really excited because like you said, and I'm glad you're verifying it for me, LinkedIn is the best. Like I agree with you. Like as I come full circle, I regret not using LinkedIn. I totally agree with you. We should have our kids use LinkedIn. But VCs around the world right now, including ourselves, are very focused on this problem, which is this... You know, you could have 2% unemployment still, but the churn underneath has created such, and we saw it with Santos getting elected with all the fake uh, resumes, that uh, a verification both from the schools and it doesn't have to be, you know, I know you cringe at the word blockchain because it's associated with laser eyes and decentralization and, and trustless, but there's beautiful things about simple blockchains, even Flow, which isn't fully decentralized, that will allow things to be verified by point in time uh, by both parties. That'll be very interesting. That's not so much a social network, but a real utility product LinkedIn that could be improved by parts of the blockchain. So I'm excited about that. And I agree, if you have teens, make sure they have a profile on LinkedIn. They can use TikTok all day long, and they will. Do you use TikTok? I still have not gotten into it, but I have friends at my age who Bro, I'm love crushing it. it. I'm crushing it on TikTok. No, I mean, reading it. Do yeah. you open it up? You well, love it. no, the problem is it sucks you in because upon your second or third usage, you spend like five minutes scrolling and mm-hmm. the Chinese, uh, you know, black ops intelligence uh, algorithm <laughs> figures out exactly what you're into. So my so it my does work feed, for you. You love it, yeah. So my whole feed ah, is like clips try. from clips from '90s rap videos and people frying chicken, and they just get like serving it up to me over and over and over <laughs> and over again. And um, no, but I I uh, I we post clips from the shows. I'm not doing oh. anything. De- I'm not doing anything like specific for TikTok because there's only so many hours in the day. Right. But, but you'll post uh, clips I, under what? Uh, under downtown I have 32, Josh Brown. Thirty-two thousand followers on TikTok. Hey, man, you're doing the work. So what? Under it. downtown I'm Josh fucking, Brown. Yo, I'm, I'm verified. <laughs> really? For real? And and is it under the firm or under your name? No, me. Downtown oh, cool. Josh Brown. Oh, dude, follow me. I'm gonna follow you. But but that wouldn't you wouldn't show up in my algo. It would be um, it, it would be might, young Prussian might, women. We're do, we're doing all the stuff with hashtags <laughs> and all the stuff you're supposed to do. We're doing it. Okay. It's happening. No, but I'm saying happening. you wouldn't show up in my but if I follow you, you're saying and you post something, it would show up in my thing. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Wait, are you posting? Never. I don't, wouldn't know how to do it. Do you have an account? Yes. Uh, all right, so you have an account, but you're just like watching, you're not posting. I haven't watched. I Every time I watch, I guess I like wonton soup and Prussian women. <laughs> so I, I, I think I, it's a look in the mirror that I don't like of myself. Too much. So speaking of too much, uh, how much is too much of uh, someone who does a podcast myself but can show up and Knute does everything and um, has a firm with just like four people 
after all these years. Um, how much is too much for you? Are you still enjoying the building and the grind? And tell us a little bit about Ritholtz Wealth. Yeah, so uh, we're going to be 10 years old in September. And I mean, I was grown. there in the beginning, and I was just you sitting are. on a couch with you. And I'm like, you had a chance to give us some money. Yeah, yeah. Well, so. I, I wanted to give you money. Let's just be clear again. Not Barry. Uh, not Barry. <laughs> <laughs> if the firm was called Brown Pants Incorporated, I'd be a I 20% shareholder. Uh, so we launched in September 2013, so we're, we're going to turn 10 this this fall. And, uh, you know, all of the clients and all of the advisors who work at the firm came organically. Like, mm-hmm. we don't have headhunters. We're not cold calling. So we built, like, uh, everyone talks about culture. Mm-hmm. They don't have a culture. They have, like, you have who wrote culture. the biggest check yeah. to, to recruit a guy from UBS to come to Morgan Stanley. Yeah. We literally have a culture because everyone is there for the same investing philosophy and the same ethos and the same vibe. Yeah. So that's, I think, pretty unique. And it's why um, I feel like there's no dividing line between my career and my life. Mm-hmm. Like This is my life's work and I yeah. eat, sleep, and breathe it. So like, how much is too much? It, it's not like, oh, fuck, I have to make a video. Like, This is just what what I am. Yeah. Well, this like, is what I, I told you, know, you were. So. I mean, we were sitting in corner. I think Alan was in the room, but it was you, me, Tom, probably. And maybe you weren't in the room, but you were on uh, Skype, whatever we were using back then, Skype Talk. Yeah. And and we dialed you in, and I'm like, hey, dude, can we call this thing Brown Incorporated? And uh, no, but like Barry's there, my Coronado, and I'm like, you guys are are rolling this thing up, and I'm like, so bullish. And I'm like- You introduced us. So this is important. None of this happens without your event in San Diego. Because it was 2010, I had been blown up completely by the financial crisis as a retail broker. Like, you know, everyone hated me and like everyone working in the industry. There was just like, you bought all these stocks for your clients and mutual funds and no matter what you bought, they all got cut in half. So like, that was me in 09 and I'm writing the blog and whatever. And then you invited me in, in the spring of 2010, like May of 2010, you're like, hey, come out to Coronado. And I said, is Barry going to be there? Because I knew you and him were friends and Barry was my idol. So you're like, of course Barry's going to be there. So I actually had to borrow the money to book a a plane ticket because I had a wife, uh, two kids, basically no income. um, We had a blue uh, tracksuit, so you had the important things. Yeah, but no, financially, I was like, I was, I was in bad shape, yeah. and you know, not because I'm lazy, just my career was going right. nowhere. No, 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 I get it, and a lot of so venture I, capitalists will feel the same now. Like young venture capitalists are going to feel like yeah. You so feel, I came out, oh. so I came out there, and so, so I said to, I said to my dad, like, I think I got to go out there and, and meet this guy. He goes, you definitely do, huh. and my father, I said to my father-in-law, I'm like, I, I, I have no money, but I still, like, I kind of have to do this, right? And everyone's like, yeah, your, your idol's out there, you got to go out there. So I met him the first. Oh, you hadn't met him. I know I, I sat you together. I think you had said, yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, yeah. But anyway, what? So what was so cool is we had the opposite problem. So he had millions of people emailing him, calling him, take my money, manage my money, hmm. because he was the guy that called the crisis and then called the bottom in the stock market. Like he right. got both right, right. very publicly. Yeah. Uh, but the problem is he's not a financial advisor. He's uh-huh. like a strategist. Right. Um, so he can't take anyone's money. And I had the opposite problem. I'm, I can give financial advice, but nobody wants it from me. <laughs> so teaming up uh, was like lightning in the bottle, but none of it would have happened. Was it love at first for... sight at that table? I remember we were yeah, sitting yeah. outside maybe. 
No, no, no. It's, 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 be- it's, it's better than that. It was like raining almost. It was uh-huh. like dark and gray. And he's the only person sitting on a lounge chair by the pool. <laughs> he's got towels wrapped around him like blankets. Yeah. And he has Not a comparing. bowl of hot chicken soup on his on his belly. <laughs> yeah. He's like eating matzo ball soup by the pool. And uh, I just said, this is my guy right here. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it, it was an instant connection because we're both from Long Island. We both see the markets very similarly. We're both writers. We both love to communicate. Um, and we just kind of like, we vibed. And by the time I got home from Lindsay and Palooza, he was like, calling me like dude you got to come meet my partners you got to come over to the firm and, and interview so no it, i mean uh, i see you guys interact together we just had lunch and i was just so yeah. funny because yeah. he's so barry like i'm there yeah. i know and he's your fucking partner and this is yeah. just barry lovable barry and he's asking you questions like he's never met your kids like i'm there hey man josh catch me up on the bar mitzvah and he goes your kid had a bar mitzvah i go are you two fucking guys partners we know and, he was there. But you're like he was... best friends. He knows nothing about anything and everything about nothing. <laughs> I mean, he's so Barry. There should be a TV show about. And so we sit down in my house, and I'm like so excited to like back their RIA. And I'm like, it's no different than the Robin Hood pitch when the Robin Hood guys are pitching me, and they're like, you know, I love everything about this, but why not charge a dollar? And they looked at me, <laughs> and they were like, luckily took my money and not my advice, but. um yeah. With you guys, I was like, I don't know. You guys are like a media company, and I think like you're both the same. I didn't get that you were as good an operator, and so I just I'm assumed. Not, so I, Howard, I'm really I not. But we, I we had partners that I understand. Joined, but I'm telling you what I got how to wrong. Operate. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. When I sat in the room, I'm like, guys, I'm backing two of the same beasts, and I would feel more comfortable. I didn't know that you were so capable of like delegating and building the firm. So. So that's what happens in my business. Well, I'll sit at the table with the right people sometimes and just whiff. And it's just fun to be in the room when this was happening. And I just kick myself every time because I knew you guys were going to be a home run. I knew wealth management was the space. Like me and Matt Obrinkare, we're doing wealth tech deals all the time now with you and Patnick. And I'm coaching Patnick yeah. a little bit. But like I knew fucking 10 years ago that this was the trend. So I'm like, every time I see you guys doing well, it just fucking, I look at Ellen and I go, fuck, I'm so happy. You know what? I think if any normal person sat with Barry and I in 2011, 2012, they would probably be like, these guys don't really know well, no how to would have sat with you. So that's my point. At least I was in yeah. the room. That's right. Fair. And that's my job. Yeah. Meaning, no no knock on you, but like I was there because of who I am. Like I have Can that I tell you something funny? As much as things have changed, nothing's really changed. Nothing's changed. Because all the industry events, all the publications, they're like writing articles about the same 10 guys who basically bought their firms with private equity money. They haven't built shit. They have no culture. It's a roll up fucking industry. And I'm just like, I'm like, nobody gets, like, really, nobody gets it. Nobody sees us coming still. Like, nobody understands um, what's about to happen over the next 10 years, really. You You still don't see us. But no, you know believe I, me, back channel. I hear, like you know, but uh, but I, I don't like care it that what way. other people think. I I know because I was no, there no, early. I was. I'm saying, I part of me is like, really, you think this guy's go? But but then it's like, isn't it better? Aren't you better off being underestimated or just oh, that's the Twitter guy? Like, isn't it better that way? Here's where it's uh, better. Here's where it's better, and we finally are past phase two. Listen, Web two is great. Okay, it gave us Chamath and all-in podcasts. That's what Web2 gave us. Fucking 
guys who believe their bullshit that growth hacking and blitz scaling was them, not the product, right? Web yeah. 2 was beautiful because it was YouTube, it was AWS, it was mobility, it was 0% interest rates. Now let's see what the true part of the web coming now is organic, marketing, face-to-face, the whole package. You can't go on Alibaba anymore and arb your fucking Shopify store to glory with a Facebook algorithm, okay? That's why we had the 90% correction of Web2 stocks. Now, the Web2 stocks that survive are going to be incredibly glorious. Look at Lyft versus Uber. For all the mistakes Uber made, it's just a better product and a better company and better management. What's a Web3 stock? What's that? Like, what's a Web3 stock? There's no Web3. Right, like okay. I called it Web three. I call it Web three because Fred Wilson calls it Web three, and the guy's right more than everybody else. So as long as Fred's calling it Web three, without yeah. laser eyes, I'm good with Fred until these guys yeah. are wrong. Okay, um, so let's call it Web three. What's a Web three company? TBD, a LinkedIn that was better tied to a little more decentralized in the way it verified who you are would be Web3. It's just a little bit better. I tell people it's like windshield wipers on Web. The Web2 was the automobile, right? Okay. And Web3. I, I, I have to tell you, uh-huh. I'm sure it'll evolve just like every technology is laughable in its, in its infancy. Uh-huh. This Web3 nonsense is throwing spaghetti at the wall and none of it is sticking. I'm on Mastodon, it's which terrible. is decent, decentralized Twitter. Uh-huh. It's it's a fucking ghost town. Yeah. I'm telling funny jokes. I'm getting like five likes. I called you. I said, don't waste your time. All right. Well, anyway, I'm on post. Oh. After the third time, I can't log in oh. because it says it's sending me a verification link to reset my password and the link never arrives. Yeah. And who's the I investors said, in post? Andreessen. Who's the investor in the Twitter? Waze. Andreessen. The guy from Waze. No, but it's also Andreessen came in at some stupid valuation on post. Okay. All so the it's DeFi, the same. All the DeFi shit is, is not not working as intended. Correct. Um, other it's than a feature. for trading tokens. Because it's a feature. Not No, because it's masturbation. No. Because well, masturbation is a feature. Have you not tried it? Fantastic feature. Dude, it's- uh, it's solutions in search of problems yes. and the solutions don't even work anyway. And I, I'm sure it'll get better and there will be a real web three and decentralized and blah, blah, blah. But when, like how much longer is it going to be a clown show for? You can't tell me you need more money to build it. You don't need more already... money, but do you game? Are you a uh, gamer? No, dude. Right. Um, so either am I, but we don't live in the world where like this, I understand the stupid that. Oculus sold a lot of things and there's yeah, like yeah. a platform. That I understand. That I understand. Yeah. So, so there is this, like, whatever you call it, there is this world where idiots strap on goggles by the millions and have an Oculus app store. Like, I can't believe it, but it exists. So you can't, like, there are features of this. But anyways, you know, going I back. Pay f- I pay for Fortnite shit for my kid two years right. ago and then he grew out of it. Now he's 14. He's into girls. Doesn't that, like, happen for most people? Are most people going to spend their whole, like a third of their life with goggles on their head, buying digital bullshit from scam artists? Is that the new economy? No, but- Because if so, I'm glad I'm already 46. I don't want to really witness a lot of that. (laughs) So so going back to what I said, Web3, Web3 is a feature and it's it's like windshield wipers on a car. Um, And maybe windshield wipers are bad analogy because you need windshield wipers. But it's just one of those things that should make some cars run smoother. 
And right now, like you said, I think it's a product of 0% interest rate. It's a product of like the party will never end. Um, and it's a, it's a, a product of, like you said, less oversight. And it's no, really... But it's, it's, but it's like, po- there's like a pointlessness to it. There's like a... Like you listen to people talk about it and it's like uh, it's like the Ouroboros. It's the, the snake that eats its own tail. It's like we're inventing this thing so we can trade these tokens so that the tokens can buy other tokens. And then we're going to have like identity on the blockchain so that we can do other things on the blockchain. And all those other things are back to buying and selling coins and tokens. There's no like no connection between all of that stuff and the physical world. And I'm sure that'll come at some point, but it's it's all a, vi- a video game and not a fun one. And very few people win because they're on the inside and they're dumping tokens on other people when the, when they've gone up a thousand percent. Like that's not a fun game. Obviously, uh, last year was a complete disaster for the people who had been playing that game. But like, even if it bounces back, there's still no point. How yeah, does, it's one of the and, biggest misdirections of all time. Did you read what I said about ChatGPT being everything that th- they hoped Bitcoin would be? Well, it's way like, bigger than they hoped Bitcoin could be. ChatGPT, but, but every out of the day, box, it's, yeah. it's like amazing and works. But that's Web3 in many ways. It's the machine. So the misdirection- right, so I'll buy that. Yeah. So the misdirection came. Listen, QVC, and not to, not to belay, my first hit company was QVC driven and I thought it was the greatest thing. And it was, it was the thing before the thing. And so web three will turn out to be driven by machines like Brad Feld and, you know, so, so web three, you know, people will reformat it in three, four months. Uh, Unfortunately, it's going to be driven by Microsoft and Google still, but at least they'll keep each other in check at some level. What's exciting about chat GPT. And I'll say this as a non-user so far, because I'm a creative, and I'm sure you're using it, but I'm not. Um, I'm listening to Smart List podcast, and you should listen to it. It's a fun podcast. In yeah, I love media. those guys. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, I'm listening to them, and the question came up, can you use it for comedy? And I immediately muffled to myself, driving alone, no, stupid. And Bateman said, absolutely. He's writing speeches on it and playing around with it. I mean, you've jumped. I don't know what Jump the Shark means, but uh, the Fonzie episode, but that is amazing that it's already being thought through by kind of Luddites in the world of that's, tech. That's, that was my point. I was basically yeah. saying every promise that was, was talked Correct. about about crypto, it's 15 years later, and if Bitcoin disappeared tomorrow, nobody would notice. It would Here. have zero impact, positive or negative, on anyone's life. ChatGPT came out on November 30th. It got to 100 million users in two months. Right. For a little bit of perspective, it took Instagram two and a half years to get to 100 million yeah. users. It um, is the thing. And a five-year-old, like, you don't need white papers. You don't need people giving speeches or tweet threads. You literally come into contact with and it it's a and search figure bot. out how you want to use it. Yeah. So what's exciting about it to me, it's like pickleball. There's perfect product market fit, meaning the world was trained to type something into a Google message box. Why it's so important is I've never seen something move a stock like the news about, you know, Google's you know, mistake. The stock's down 10%. It lost $100 billion the, in yeah. market cap because its AI didn't work. That's crazy. It lost like all of Bitcoin, basically, yeah. 
yeah. over yeah. a fucking news so, reporter. So, Howard, I don't know if Mike has shown you any of this stuff, but we are now being inundated with generative AI pitches for the RIA space. And, you know, my like I'm a smart ass, so my initial reaction when I hear shit like that is, here we go. Yeah. But we let our advisors play with some of this stuff. Uh-huh. So one of my one of my financial planners spends an hour on the phone with the client. That's not an hour talking about the Super Bowl. There's like instructions that come out of that conversation. Okay, do this. Get them the paperwork for that. Move this money here. The advisor now has to like formulate an email. Okay, just to review. Here's what we talked about. Here's uh, there's got to be a Salesforce entry, etc. With generative AI tools, we can basically like cut the advisor's workload, which gives them more time to talk to more clients by like. 80 per, like literally 80% all the stuff that you have to do to follow up from from a call and then the AI starts to learn uh the advisor's practice and then you're not even giving it instructions anymore you can just like give it a phrase and it will fill out an entire email to send to the client and send it for you yeah. those tools are on the way we're going to invest in some of these companies probably yeah um just call and, me on valuation well i I'm gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I stay out of that part of yeah, it. That's <laughs> that's I, not anything that I have any expertise in. But I know where the pain points are in yeah. my industry, mm-hmm. and I can tell you, like, if this AI kind of thing proliferates before Web three, before crypto, so AI enabled financial advisors. What this does to the industry is it requires advisors if they want to stay competitive to incorporate it, and then the benefit is you can go from I serve a hundred households to I serve. 300 households and you don't give anything less to your clients it's just that you have a machine in the background doing the arduous annoying shit that is not even valued by anyone and that to me would make me super bullish on real world applications for web3 so if that's what we're calling it then then i'm all in it's just the machines and humans you got to have jujitsu you can't fake it anywhere web2 was posers the web two companies, Airbnb, Uber, um, you know, unfortunately in enterprise, it's going to be a lot of fucking monopoly with Microsoft, but the companies that survive web two are going to be dominant because you won't be able to raise the capital and no VC wants to back another web two company. Like I get pitched web two stuff. I go, guys, what are you doing? Building something for the app store? Are you kidding me? And then you got to build. So think about the power that like Airbnb has. You're not going to be able. Unless, now, granted, even Robinhood, if, if these companies don't screw up, even Coinbase, the winners of Web2 that get through this are going to be generational home runs because of uh, capital costs. Uh, Web3 is going to be more about guys like you who have experience, who aren't scared of marketing and doing the face-to-face and organic. Web3 is going to be much more of an organic web where you have to earn your customer and you have to put the time in. You can't just go run an algo and arb your your traffic. So uh, I'll end it there. Hey, two questions. One question. Uh, two I'll parts. You can, one you can one walk, question in two parts. Yeah. You can walk around uh, <laughs> New York for the afternoon. Perfect day with two people. One, a financial world that you expect and just your favorite. And somebody dead or alive that you could walk around with and ask questions. Who are those people? Uh, all right. So somebody that works in finance is the first person. Well, just someone like a fan that you want to talk about markets with and investing. Somebody that's like, just fun to chat markets. I, th- I would say JC for sure. Yeah. You guys um, are great you together. Pro- you probably- you probably would too. JC's my guy. Like we, uh, 
we, I don't know, we have 18 years of history together and uh, I've watched him kind of, he's five years younger than me. So I've watched him grow into the entrepreneur that he is today. And no, there's nobody more fun uh, to hang with, whether it's business related or not. Like he's just, he's down for whatever. Um, and then- so pro- It's probably JC. Dead or alive, like just a celeb or person you would walk around and just talk what you like talking about New York with. So I have this like fascination with uh, Jay Pierpont Morgan, and I'm sure he hated the Jews, but like I feel like uh, me and JP Morgan would get on really well together. And uh, I've read a lot of books about the era, and I've read you know books about him, and he just seems like one of these people that had the ability to bend time and space to his will. And he was a guy that could convene like the most powerful people in a room and fucking lock them in until they did what he wanted. And I feel like he was the Fed before there was a Fed. Huh. Like in 19, the panic of 1907, people don't even understand. He like assumed control of the Knickerbocker savings and loan or whatever, whatever the bank was that everyone was panicking over. And do you know how he got us through the crisis in addition to getting everyone to agree to stop selling things? He told the tellers at the bank, give everyone their money back. By no means can you freeze uh, withdrawals because that'll cause a real panic. But I want you to count out the money very, very slowly <laughs> until, until the bank closes at 4 p.m. Then we get overnight to come up with enough money to make it through the next day. And just like a- Sounds like he didn't hate you. Sounds like he might have been Jew. Might have been a secret Jew, yeah. uh, but just just like a guy like that who uh, I think was like so instrumental in creating the modern financial world that we have today, it would be fascinating. And he also loved New York City, and uh, so walking around New York with him and having him point to the things that were there when he was there, that would be kind of cool. Well, I'm excited for you to see Max this summer. He's a different person than the kid who disappeared in an Uber one time at our last dinner. <laughs> the uh, he had a beard. He was he came to a. Go- he's just different kid he has a beard now it's funny i'm gonna look out for him this summer all right my man thanks for doing this i have a million other questions but maybe we'll do it again soon say hello to the boys and uh good luck with all that testosterone uh shortage i hope you i hope you find a a new source i'm on a treadmill i did this whole podcast on a treadmill drink the blood of a young gymnast like what is the (laughs) (laughs) all right all right love you howie bye all right see you buddy That was fun. See, and that's fun. This, that's a panic with friends. No panic, all friends. I know. The, I uh, love that guy's laughter. Yeah, I like making him laugh. <laughs> I mean, I got to get back to my roots. So uh, anyways, thanks, Knut. You are listening to, uh, everybody knows where to find Josh. You are listening to Panic with Friends. I sit down with friends uh, most of the time who are investors, traders, entrepreneurs, trying to get a little bit ahead of the market. Josh may not be a geek. But he plays with everything and has two kids that are uh, geeks. And so we like to think about the future, but not get too far ahead of it. You can search my name, Howard Linson, on uh, Spotify, Apple, Google, uh, wherever your favorite uh, platform is. You'll see Panic with Friends. Subscribe, please. Makes it easy. You will get an alert and one of our podcasts every Thursday. Thanks, Knut. Thank you. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only 
and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.